The wind parts of the grid are actually the stuff that's the most solid right now and giving out the most energy. It's a lot of the older infrastructure from both fracking and coal power plants that are 10, 20, 30, 40 years old that are not functioning properly. What up, world? Welcome to another fuzzy episode of the Amer <laughs> Podcast. Let's do it. Episode 140, February 17th, 2021, 5.27 p.m. For those of you listening in the future, today we are going to play another game, but we are going to talk impeachment. So I, I think it's going to be fun. I think you'll enjoy it. We got the original crew in the house minus one Tyler Grillo again, who's got his head in the dirt Boo. saying hello to his garlic plants. He's probably out being a dick to somebody playing cards. That's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible. It's very possible. He may just start stuff on the street, like outside of his house in Oakland. Just like, who wants to play me right now in war? I will take you down. Did, who, who won the last poker game, though? I, th I think he lost. Anderson, didn't you win? No, I won the first one. I won one of them. Didn't Pat win one? Or Nelson? I think Pat won the last one we had when we had a big one. I think Pat won the last one. Yeah. We'll have to play another poker game here soon. But <clears throat> anyways, it's <laughs> not why we're here. We got in the Denver metro area, John Kelly. How are you today, sir? Oh, doing just fine. Happy Wednesday out there for all you future uh, listeners. Hope your Wednesday is yeah. going well. Happy hump day. For all you future Wednesdayers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got we got some snow out here in the mountains where I'm at. Quite lovely. Also in the Denver metro area, Mr. John Anderson. How are you? I'm good. It it is snowing here too. It's been fucking cold. But you know, luckily we have yeah. the infrastructure to deal with it. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, we do. For the most part, um, you know, I think we there's occasionally those heavy snows out here in Colorado that take out the power for you know, I, I, there was that storm, what, maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, that took out power for a few days up here. That's seven-footer? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty rare. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, fortunate that we do have the infrastructure here. Anderson, did you want to talk about Texas a little bit? After you introduce yourself. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good looking out. And I am your host, Blake Mannion. The hostess with the mostest. The guardrails yeah, yeah. extraordinaire. Thanks, guys. I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about Texas real quick. So Go for it. We are in the large swath of the middle of the country dealing with a winter storm. It has reached all the way to the Mexican border. And it has uh, been... Extreme, extreme polar conditions. Yeah, it in is. In case you're not living through it currently. It's cold. Uh, we, we have two employees in Texas, and um, they're... They've been without power. I mean, they literally got their whole family into a single room and lit candles to stay warm. And so it is um, – this is a – it seems like it is a problem with Texas's infrastructure. They have uh, completely removed themselves from the uh, national grid so they can avoid deregulation. And yep. um, they decided that – they would rather have cheap energy than insulate themselves from things like this, uh, which I, I think is a big problem. It's been when we talk about when people are like, oh, but deregulation, it's awesome. This is what we're talking about when we talk mm -hmm. about deregulation. It's making sure that uh, your 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 electrical grid will not be able to deal with extreme events. Um, your basic now, utilities. There's there's people in Texas that are paying thousands of dollars for each day of service that they're getting in certain areas. And that's because of deregulation and the companies are allowed to charge out the ass for sending out small amounts of energy, you know? And it, it, the infrastructure itself is the issue that they can't get enough power to these areas, down lines, frozen lines. Uh, but there's also this price gouging on top of that. So there's a bunch of people who can't get it in the first place and there's a bunch of people getting price gouged at the same time. Regulation helps both of those. And, and most of the politicians in Texas are oil and gas funded significantly. So these are all problems. I, I want to say one thing 
I assume, I think this is a pretty good bet, that most of our listeners are liberals. And I have seen a fair amount of liberals. I know. Shocker. Uh, I've seen a fair amount of liberals dunking on Texas. And I want to, especially in the context of a bunch of people like fucking Ted Cruz talking about how California can't deal with their shit because of forest fires. And then he's over here being Ted Cruz. But I want to make a point about that, which is we are the party of, of government functioning well. And so yeah. it is not a win. Working properly for people's sake. Yeah. Working prop- properly for all citizens' sake. Exactly. No matter what side they vote on. And so, like, is it? It's it's not funny that this is happening to a Republican-held state. It's it, and like we shouldn't be dunking on Texas. This is an opportunity for us to make the argument that uh, government matters, and and this is why, and we should have robust public infrastructure in order to deal with these things, especially with climate change coming up. And I know Kelly, you want to talk about that, but also another thing to understand about this situation is forty eight percent. Over 48% of folks in Texas didn't vote for Trump. And a lot of those people are minorities. So when we see a lot of like elite people, liberals on Twitter dunking on Texas for, you know, this, it's it's not a win. This is not a good thing. And I think it's important that we we be serious about this, which is no, this is a disaster for the country, and we need to come together as Americans and help each other through uh yeah. an event like this. I, I agree. Yeah. Yep, and totally agree. And if you're living in Texas and you're listening to this, and if you do know people who voted for Trump, or I mean, I guess that's irrelevant. Or Greg Abbott, or Ted yeah, Cruz any or... any of those people who are in charge right now who have the responsibility of maintaining infrastructure, you need to raise some awareness that this has actually been that there was a report that predicted a winter power grid emergency ten years ago. So this is been expected by the people who are in power like they've known that this was coming for 10 years and then they they haven't done anything to help support the infrastructure so it's just negligence is what it is so if you do live in the area you should definitely raise some awareness and have those people removed from office these are deliberate policy choices it wasn't just like quote an act of god that made this happen this didn't necessarily have to happen right Exactly. Well, yeah, it and it's a, and it's a perfect opportunity to take a step back and look at the types of weather events that are going to become more prevalent as climate change continues to adjust all of our climates in any city you're living in throughout the United States and and throughout the entire world, right? These types of freak polar incidences that might hit Texas could become much more prevalent in the future. Yeah, this could become and the new normal. Likely they yeah, likely they will as it gets crazier on both sides. It'll get hotter in the summer. It'll get colder at times in the winter. Um, and so we need people in power that are going to look at it and make legitimate decisions for the long-term health of citizens and a state's ability to respond to events like this. Um, and, you know, one thing I will tip my hat about, you know, you know, prior to this is Texas has one of the leading industries in private wind-powered electricity. They are a national leader, along with Oklahoma and Arkansas, some of which can be directly correlated to less regulation within the state, as well as Obama-era federal credits and building credits to build up a lot of these wind farms, which should be mentioned as well. Um, But, you know, the idea now that you know, you have Republican leadership going on national news while people are suffering in their state and saying, yeah, the issue is not that the state can't produce enough energy. The problem is that too much of it's on the wind grid. It's the right? Green on New renewables. Deal. That hasn't right. It's passed. the Green New Deal's fault wow. that could happen next year or the year after. That's the reason that this is. And it's like the wind parts of the grid are actually the stuff that's the most solid right now and giving out the most energy. It's a lot of the older infrastructure from both fracking and coal power plants that are 10, 20, 30, 40 years old that are not functioning properly. And it's the Republicans within the state of Texas that haven't done any type of infrastructure improvement that are to be blamed for that. Um, it do, it's not the power source itself. It's the delivery system to the customer, to the user mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is the issue there. I'm, so, you know, 
pump your brakes <laughs> and look at those guys and call bullshit because that's what it is. <laughs> I believe uh, that eighty percent of Texas's energy is produced by oil and gas, and something like over ninety percent of the power plants that have failed thus far have been oil and gas. And so, like, is it true that windmills have frozen? Yes. Is it also true that it is solely the fault of wind and solar that this is happening? Absolutely not. And in fact, the the solution to this is to further diversify our production of energy and then have a actually have infrastructure week and finally after five years or whatever and actually have a massive massive investment in making sure that our electrical grid is number one a national grid with tons of redundancy and then is brought into the 21st century because right now you could probably look out your window and look at the power lines and be like i don't think that was built in the 21st century. <laughs> so, you know, we right. should probably uh, invest in this. And oh, yeah. by the way, there's a lot of people right now who are out of work and need a job. And so I think a good way to make sure that those folks have jobs is doing these kinds of public works. FDR, baby. Let's go. Wow. Look at Let's that. Go. Tennessee Valley Authority. Let's go, baby. Bring in the Tennessee Valley Shovel Authority ready. right into the 21st Shovel century. Shovel ready. I, whoop, whoop, bring it in. <laughs> I am very happy to see somebody like uh, Pete Buttigieg be the secretary of transportation, because I think obviously it's part of the infrastructure in this country, right? It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not the only part, but it's a huge important part. And I think power definitely will tie into that somehow. So I'm just happy to see somebody like mayor Pete in there. Get the job done. It's amazing. It's amazing that Trump ran for four and a half years ago on exactly that infrastructure reform and controlling both the house and the Senate. They didn't do shit about it. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't do anything about it. I can build hotels, so I will increase infrastructure. Yeah. The one they just demolished today. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Great stuff. One of the like first podcasts I listened to, it wasn't even really a podcast. It was just an audio recording was uh, Rachel Maddow at Boulder's uh, conference on world affairs in 2008, I believe in the spring of 2008, it was right before we went to college. And she made a point that has stuck with me for Well, it was the point of her lecture. Um, she has a, uh, uh, she said that infrastructure investment is a lot of things. One of it is a national security investment. It's a national security issue. And as we get into um, greater threats of hacking on our infrastructure, which is a real threat right now, there was a report a year or two ago about uh, the Russians penetrating our, I believe, our nuclear power plants. Obviously, it'd be really bad if there was a uh, a hack on a nuclear power plant that caused a radiation leak or, God forbid, an explosion. And so, in- investing in our infrastructure is not only good for the economy, it's not only good for preventing things like what happened in Texas, it's good for dealing with terrorist attacks. It's, it's the way we're not going to prevent every single terrorist attack, but we can be more resilient with them. And right. so, well, and, and, and part of it needs to be federal. Part of it needs to be state, but mm-hmm. supported by federal dollars. Yep. And it has to be a concerted effort on all sides to yeah. shore that up. What's really, what's really, really fascinating. I think about that argument and we can discuss this more at a later podcast as well, is that a lot of Republicans run on energy independence as a stronghold position for why they are America first, why they are tough on uh, foreign terrorists, you know, why they think uh, uh, about the strength of America's position in the world. Um, And then at the same time, they turn their backs on federally funded updates to our power grid, and they turn their backs on providing extra federal funding for states to shore that up on their own side, without necessarily having to do much with the federal grid, right? So there's that issues there, which is a cognitive disconnect on the Republican side. But, you know, it's it's important to point out that people, both Democrats and Republicans, thoroughly believe that we need to make sure that our power institutions work properly within this country, provide the service that people need. Joe Manchin, who's the most conservative Democrat, uh, he's from West Virginia in the Senate, uh, came out for like a $4.3 trillion infrastructure investment. 
Let's fucking go. Let's yeah. go. And like, you know, this is not that much, actually. It's no, it's and it will expensive. very it'll right. very likely pay for itself, right? Be- yeah. Exactly. Think about one of the reasons why we're able to have things like Walmart, modern grocery stores, Amazon, and things like that is the interstate system, which was a gigantic national investment. And it was also, by the way, a national security investment because a lot of that had to do with the fucking Cold War because they were worried about Russians coming after us and having to move troops around. I mean, literally one right. of the stipulations the, the, in... The- right. The ec- the economic gain was higher than they could have imagined yeah. when they first did it, right? And the absolute defense thing was there, right? It was landing planes. It was landing basically giant troop planes in Nebraska in Colorado, if there was nuclear war on the West Coast, there's right. literally a regulation in the whatever. I don't even know if regulation is the right word, but every X amount of miles on the interstate has to have Y amount of straight length for landing fucking planes in a national security emergency like Kelly just referenced. Right. And yeah. so th- it's, it's not just because Kansas and Nebraska are super flat. No, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that they can like, because we can literally yeah. land C one thirties on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these things, it makes so much fucking sense in so many different ways. And it's, and we're going to have to um, harden ourselves against climate change. It's coming, and it'll be much easier for us to do it now than it will be later. Where John Kerry no made a great point. <laughs> we are in serious shit 30 years from now oh, if we haven't yeah. done anything. It, John <laughs> Kerry made a great point at his first press conference as the climate czar, which is, look, we're already paying for climate change in all of these storms and the loss of acti- of economic activity and damage. Mm-hmm. And yep. we could take all that money and we could invest it. And then we're getting benefits from it. We're not cleaning up from damage. And that's going to only become more emergent as uh, we go into the future. And so we should make the investment now. We should do it now, especially in the middle of an economic crisis. Yeah, 100%. And even at, you know, during this economic crisis, which is exactly what FDR did along with his policy advisors in the 30s, was to invest more back into our own system, which is exactly what we should be doing now. But it's the expectation that as the world's greatest economy, we will continue to be the world's greatest economy going forward, which we will. There's no doubt that we will, right? California is still bigger than the majority of countries out there when it comes to economic output, right? Right. And that's one state when it comes to our national GDP. Okay. So what we're talking about here is investments back that helps everybody out, you know, and it, and it makes sense going forward. It just makes sense fiscally to do that going forward because it will save us money in the future when we're legitimately have to put more money down on a lot of these projects in the future if we don't do it now. Uh, And two, it'll make all of our citizens more happy. And honestly, besides maybe a lot of European countries and potentially Japan and China, we are equipped to deal with climate change. We might have might be drivers of a lot of what's going to happen, but we're also the ones that are the best equipped to do something about it. And it is the largest challenge of our generation to step up and do something about it. So, you know, we'll see. There's a lot of stuff. It's going to take a lot of work, but we're on the precipice. We're right there. And I think there's a lot of people in this country that recognize that. And I think the the tide is turning on a lot of people's heads and, and it's shifting to be more proactive about changing that in the next 10, 20 years. Yep. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's shift gears to our impeachment conversation. Did you hear that Trump was impeached again? Second time. He was oh. impeached even harder this time, though. Oh! Impeachment, oh. <laughs> um, too. So we're going we're gonna, to uh, use overrated, underrated, least favorite, and favorite uh, to break this down, give ourselves a little structure, which sometimes we do not have. So yeah. hopefully this will uh, guide us in a very intricate, complicated you know, things. So we're going to try and get you out of here in like two, three hours. Should be fine. Just buckle yeah. up, baby. <laughs> It'll be like a dead Carlin podcast. Right. It's going to be great. The whole structure thing is like slowly, it's like slowly adulting, you know, our podcast <laughs> is slowly getting structure. You mean there's an auto pay feature? Oh my God. It's like when. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. 
All right. All right. So who set up the uh, algorithm for who's going first? I did, and it's you. <laughs> oh, look at that, Blake. Up o- first. O- overrated? Overrated? Uh, underrated. Starting with underrated, underrated? Overrated, least favorite, and favorite, so that we can end on a high note. Okay. Um, I think what's the most underrated about the impeachment trial was personally how the republicans reacted to learning that mike pence got really close to having his head cut off interesting yeah like i i think that's super underrated like their reaction was underrated you know what i mean there was gallows on the lawn like oh who who else maybe would have got decapitated out there amongst you congress people you know they were literally trying to find him to hang him i mean that is that is such a good underrated that like basically we were steps away from a mass mass casualty event we were minutes away from our number two and number three person in the chain of succession being fucking murdered by a mob mm-hmm. that was sent by the president who is in charge of the government like yeah. it is wild it's wild yeah so that's yeah. that's my most yeah. underrated i think that wins that's very that's good better choice. than mine that's a very good choice <laughs> yeah um am i up next john sure or are you up next no like, go for it so i was gonna say i think the most underrated is it's going to be the historical context of Trump being a two-time impeached president. It's completely looked over yeah. by half the country yep. at this point. And I would say that even there's quite a few pockets on the left as well that are like, whatever, let's get over it. Let's move forward. Mm-hmm. Right. We got to legislate. Um, we need to, you know, make sure that he's blah, blah, blah yeah. is confirmed. Yeah. Yeah, Trump Trump being impeached twice um, and the acquittal process, which uh, I'll get into later because I yep. think I might bring that in for another choice itself. But um, he is going to go down as potentially the worst president in the history of this country just because of that from a political standpoint. A hundred years yeah. from now, when hopefully our republic will be standing, what will be left, of course, is this huge treasure trove of fucking tweets that he put out over four years that everybody in perpetuity can hopefully look at and say, Oh, Oh, it's pretty clear what he was all about while he was sitting in the office. Um, but then, but then also he'll be the only president to be impeached twice. Yeah. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. you never know what's going to happen in the future. You should never say never, but to this point, and honestly, some pretty grievous things that presidents have done in the office, Mm -hmm. He's the only one who has done twice. Yeah. It's going to go down that way. I was going to say. end up in like an idiocracy reality, right? We're and then there he'll, already. He'll be like the gold statue. It'll be like Trump. Yeah, no. Like the god who started right. it all. Yeah. Um, totally. yeah. It's funny that you say he's first because uh, among worst presidents, because that's a competitive category, I think. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> unfortunately. You want to be the best ever, but you're first among worst. Yeah. Yep. So that actually, funny enough, is mine uh, as well. The the most underrated thing was the fact that he got impeached twice. Like we basically were just like, oh yeah, yeah this this is a normal Tuesday, and it's like, no, it's not. It's fucking bananas. There's only three what three presidents who've been actually impeached, and Nixon resigned because he was absolutely certainly could've. going to be impeached. So if we're oh, generous, I mean, they were gonna they were gonna convict him in the Senate. Too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, he was and the Senate Republicans are like, we are going to have to vote to convict you on this. They went up to <laughs> so the, you the White resign. House and said, you're going to get convicted, so resign. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. It is remarkable, though, that Donald Trump has he, – he has got it twice. I mean, it's yeah. fucking bananas, we've, and we're not really – it's like whatever. We've been desensitized. Absolutely. You know, we talked about this at the beginning of the presidency yep. when stuff started to slowly – like every other day or it was like once a week, twice a week, three times a week, you know, every day shit was going down. And and we talked about this on a past episode about becoming desensitized. And I think that's exactly why, you know, people, half the country doesn't see this second impeachment as a big deal anymore. You know? Yeah. And it helps a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, I mean, besides people that you know that are very into politics right how many people were really that into the trial 
right? Oh, How many man. people were that? I mean, pe- people were absolutely demanding blood after the insurrection happened at the Capitol. Yeah. Right? People were riled up. They were like, we have to do something about this. And it seems like public fervor on a lot of what I would say, quote unquote, centrists and independents in this country has completely waned mm-hmm. since then, um, which is unfortunate. And but to speak to it that, is what it is. he he could have been impeached about other shit too. Like oh, yeah. to me, literally on day one, he was impeachable based on emoluments because of the Trump Hotel, and there's like yep. very good evidence to suggest we, that we covered that one too. But, okay, yep. No, what what you what you don't understand is that if I'm going to present the United States in a way that makes us look like the Golden Beacon, it has to be at a Golden Beacon hotel. And who better does that than Trump International? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to give it to my kids. Fuck off. Did, did you say um, gold? Did you say Golden P can? Oh, oh, the P tape is back. Um, he could have been impeached nice. single-handedly over the uh, call to the Georgia Secretary of State that we have a recording of. Um, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of... I, I saw a list... One find time, the there votes. Seven Just find things. them. Just find yeah. them. Yeah, I can't believe you can't be, find a thousand, eleven thousand votes. Can't believe you can't the, find to the vote the 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 amount of votes that he needed to win the state, which is a funny. I mean, like if you're gonna if you're gonna prosecute intent, like there you go. <laughs> you're welcome. It wasn't any more. It wasn't any less. <laughs> yeah, it's like what was on your mind, bro? So yeah. you know, yeah, I think it is crazy that he got impeached twice and i think it is almost equally as crazy that basically nobody cares yeah i yeah yeah it's why there's 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 people that care but maybe not maybe not in the top echelon Uh, let me go ahead i'm gonna jump in then and say my most overrated yes go for it because it ties in kind of perfectly to that which is the value of an acquittal in uh, a system where a bunch of Republican senators were potentially conspirators. <laughs> yeah, right. The yeah. day of, uh, which means that an acquittal means nothing at yeah. this point. Um, we had the largest amount of Republican senators ever to vote against. Or I, no, that's sorry, true. It's not just Republican. It's it's any senators to vote against yeah. a president. In a Senate trial of their own, right? Party. This is the closest. This is the closest we've ever come to yeah. conviction in this country, which is one as it should be, right? No matter what side you're on, is as it should be. Uh, two, <laughs> it also, when you're looking at it, it's completely throws any type of justification for a free and fair trial out the window. No matter how you connect it right the idea is that this is supposed to be somewhat similar to the american judicial structure right that it's a free and fair trial you're allowed to have your day in court prosecution supposed to present what they have the defense is supposed to uh you know present what they have and what you have in this is republican senators uh such as uh ted cruz and representative uh howley holly from missouri Senator. Holly. Yeah. Yep. Right. That basically egged people on for months prior to this thing were completely part of the rhetoric. See no problem really in what they call just the free speech of the president to mm. challenge a free and fair election. And they got to sat got to sit there and be jurors in this because not of the only, way it works. Not only jurors, but they also met with the defense. Yeah. High five to the defense as they were walking out. Great job, guys. You did a great job. And you're like, you knew that he wasn't going to get convicted by the Senate. You knew that there wasn't enough Republican votes in it. It has nothing to do with the legal ramifications. There was no type of legitimate discussion constitutionally or historically about the precedent we're setting here. There was nothing of that from the Republican side, right? And so the acquittal, bullshit, right? Yeah. It is completely overrated. It is, it's, it's, it's null and void, in my opinion. It's just null and void. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that actually ties well into mine, um, which is uh, my you guys overrated. Are like reading each other's minds. Here. I know this is yeah, this is gnarly. Uh, it's like we're drafting. Back it's like you've done 150 again. episodes together or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and talk all day about <laughs> politics on Slack. Um, yeah, touche. Slack, you should you should sponsor us. Just by the way. <laughs> so my overrated is the impeachment power. It it just doesn't really seem to work 
especially right. the way that the founders envisioned it. Not anymore, uh, at least. Not with a two party system. I don't think it Not ever with a two party really system. Yeah, it, well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, so, it got Nixon out, right? He could have caused more damage. Uh, he was late. He was late in his second. He was late in his second term. Well, I don't know how much. And I think it done. might be the exception that proves the rule because he resigned. He wasn't impeached and removed, right? Yeah, and true. so. But but um, it was the threat of impeachment, right? Yeah, that's that is why true. he resigned. That's true. It was. You know, so, it was. so I agree I will, with you. By the way, I will say that if if you send a mob to go attack another branch of government, and that branch of government is unable to convict you of the thing that they personally witnessed and everybody else saw on television, I think. The impeachment power doesn't work, and yeah. I and what is impeachable? Nothing. What is impeachable up at this point? If, I mean, like, but the house, the house did it, right? right. The house did it. So, I mean, I I agree with you, but maybe it's the two thirds majority in the Except, Senate, yeah, about conviction. That's really the really it's the Senate trial and the conviction at the end because impeachment worked. Right. The Democrats were able to impeach him twice, yeah, right. Um, and, which I I'm glad they did. Uh, and we we've talked about it multiple points. It probably could have been more with the first impeachment than they even yeah. wrote down in their articles. Oh yeah, we could. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, when you get to the Senate, it's an entirely different beast. Given the way that you know the structure states, the way that the Senate is voted upon, longer terms, it's a much more even house of the government. And so, you know, maybe the two thirds thing, which you know envisioned by the founders is probably good because you do need to have a majority of people agree on something that's an outcome here right but you know if, if you're looking at what happened it's crazy i would i would throw something out right now that if this had been barack obama after his first year his first term right yeah. and he stood in front of the white house and said I'm going to, we have to go down there and defend this country. We have to, we have to use force if we have to, right? To make sure that our country's safe going forward. I, as a Democrat, Democratic leaning person would have been like, convict his ass in the Senate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, well, I'd have been like, uh, no matter how much I agree with his policies, we are not going to get into an authoritarian dictatorship on one side or the other. And that's right. what we're talking about here, right? Yeah. We're talking about precedent for the future. And that's a good right? example of uh, asymmetric partisanship, which is something, which is why the like both sides thing is is bullshit, and it's a Fox News oh, marketing tactic, absolutely. basically. But I wanted to bring up impeachment mostly to talk about the fact that the fundamental flaw in our founding document is the inability to anticipate a two party system. And this is very good. This is the like quintessential example of that. And we need a constitutional amendment that codifies the two party system. I know people fucking hate it, but we, we have to adjust the way that we, we, we need a check and balance on the party system. Now, maybe we can have a, go to a parliamentary system and like have a bunch of third and fourth and fifth parties. And we can have a whole series of podcasts about that later. It's, it's what, it's one way to do it. Proportional representation is something that I love. I know we brought it up. A few and, times. and I have but. serious reservations about it. As we've talked about that <laughs> yeah. Kelly purposely started a fight with me about, which made for good content and I was into it. Uh, but personally, I would like us to try and find simple ways to, put a check and a balance on the party system like i've mentioned before a neither on the ballot and kick it if the neither wins the plurality you kick it back to the parties and you run a special election but we need a way we have to accept that factions as the founders would have would have known or would have called yep. it and we need to really lean into federalist 10 right which is well how do you deal with factions okay well you make a bajillion of them so that they all check each other and you can't accumulate power so i guess i'm talking myself into a a, a proportional representation system right now no, uh, <laughs> not necessarily i mean i think that there might be ways that you could build in some checks and balances right if you if you brought in an amendment to the constitution that said that in the case of certain close in certain high crimes and misdemeanors mm -hmm. right um or all high crimes and misdemeanors if it goes to the senate there's a lesser bar that has to be passed 
because uh, the reality of the way the rest of the Constitution is set up, we have a two-party system. And that's the way that a first-past-the-post system wins. So maybe you say it has to be 60 instead of 66. Maybe you say it has to be 55, right? Right. There has to be some sort of supermajority level there. It can't just be 51 and it's good. Because then you run into, if it's it's a 50-50 tied Senate, you're going to be impeaching presidents left and right, potentially, or other... um, uh, holders of federal um, office. Yeah. Right. It's not just And they the can be impeached. Right. Exactly. It could be anybody on either side of the aisle at any time. Right. And I, and I don't think we want to see that there. The two thirds thing seems because we are in such a divided state currently. And you can make the argument that we always have been ever since there was a one, two political party in this country that it ebbs and flows maybe maybe that aspect should be eased a little bit and i'm not i'm not totally against that putting that in um i'm I'm not sure what other amendments you might be able to put in um dealing with money would help uh (laughs) uh, yeah can we just get rid of fucking citizens united please yeah right now yeah please this is a a whole other podcast yes it is uh but i think that we should definitely have that conversation sometime in the future for sure We'll do, it. do you guys want to hear my overrated? I do. Yes, I do. Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, come on. Let's be serious here. That This was his one opportunity to unite the Republican Party and shove a stick up Donald Trump's ass. And he <laughs> completely missed the soft pitch. You know, it, it would have been rather easy, I think. And he saw it coming from a mile away. So Mitch McConnell, if you're listening. Just remember this line right here. Real ass gangsters don't flex nuts because real ass gangsters know they got them. However, all I got to say to you wanna be gonna be pussy eating cock sucking pranksters is when the shit jumped off, what the fuck did you do? (laughs) Damn, Mitch, you ain't no gangster. Yes, that's awesome, Blake. You have no balls. Oh, shout outs back to office space. What? Uh, That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Uh, no, it, I, I agree, man. Seriously, I it would have been so that, easy. It was a layup. Undefended. It's all such it it's all such a jerk off. It's all such a jerk off move. He was visibly angry on the floor of the Senate when the answer after the insurrection happened he stood there and said that donald trump was morally responsible he was yeah. ethically responsible for it yeah. and then he used a technicality to say that i can't vote for a conviction on him because i don't really believe that we have the authority to convict someone who's not in the presidency anymore so which is ridiculous you can't you can't convict him while he's in the office, which is what he used the first time. You can't convict him after he's in the office the second time. That's some straight-up authoritarian bullshit right there. That well, means that the president's not accountable for anything. That at he does, at least in the, the last month of his term. Like, well, let's just go ahead and you know write that in there. Cause, and, oh, by the way, the reason we didn't get a trial while Trump was president the second time is because of one Mitch McConnell. So, you know, it is very clear that he gamed this out, and it's terribly unfortunate for the country he might i i think that he is trying to hold together a coalition and he's playing it too cute and it's gonna be a fucking fight and he's gonna have to have it and that was his chance to to win decisively and bar trump from ever running again and then beginning the the healing in the republican party and unfortunately he's tried to have it both ways and it's gonna fuck the party and it's also gonna fuck the country and fuck you mitch mcconnell yeah that was the tipping point of his legacy uh that that was the end for Mitch McConnell. He lost his grip on the party, and he failed at trying to Man, unite. His, t- the his party. tipping point for me was ten years ago. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm glad I'm glad that yeah. the, it's caught up at this point. But yeah, uh, um, yeah. when you play cutthroat politics your entire career to make sure that your small agenda gets pushed through in the highest house, public house in the land, in the Senate, and then. Yeah. You know, somehow to expect that even within your own party that has disagreements within it will hold those people together is an absurd proposition. And that's exactly what he's dealing with. 
right yeah. now. Well, so hardline, 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 hardline produces hardline people. That's what yeah. it does. Ten years ago, we had to deal with the Tea Partiers. Now we have to deal with violent, radicalized Trump supporters. Uh, can I? Can I tell you guys what my least favorite was? Because it, it perfectly ties in. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it would be GOP chicken shits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. let me let me yeah. tell you why I use that word very specifically. Because uh, there was a whole lot of like Matt Getz got out there and was like, "We have the votes to remove Liz Cheney from." leadership because uh she voted to impeach the president and fuck her and he went to fucking wyoming and had a rally <laughs> against her which is crazy it's insane and then they did a secret ballot to remove her or not again again going to another congressional district when you're not a representative there to run a rally against the person that's authoritarian as the, in the same party because that yeah. member took a, a a vote of conscience like and it's a, a Cheney like what are we doing here it's insane right. but in this secret vote that they took I believe they got it was like 20 30 percent it was very very low and I think that there is a a better's chance that if you did a secret ballot to convict Trump in the Senate, he would have been convicted. And I think Mitch McConnell was, and a whole lot of other Republicans, well, Mitch McConnell laid out the case and then a whole bunch of other Republicans are hoping that Donald Trump faces criminal prosecution and yes. goes to jail yep. so that he cannot yep. run again. But they are too chicken shit to stand up to him. And it is pathetic and sad and in the worst traditions of America and a betrayal of the party of Lincoln and they're all going to political hell. Which is very hot. 100%. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's that's exactly what I was going to say when it came to the, the least favorite thing about this entire aspect. Was that it never... Everybody who took even a passing glance at this, and I think it actually gets back to a lot of stuff we were talking about in terms of the apathy around the second impeachment in general. That everybody knew what was going to happen. Right? There's a very, very small chance that the amount of Republican senators were going to actually go over and convict Trump. Everybody, everybody knew that, you know, going into it, you know, maybe if McConnell grows a conscience finally and steps back on the type of language that he has done in the past, maybe that changes pipe dream. Right. And, and yeah, hindsight's 2020, but you know, I, it's why it's why I put in in the first part of what I was saying about, you know, least <laughs> is that there were Republican senators that moved, and I and it was actually higher than I thought it was going to be, to Me be too. honest, when it first started. But the the bottom line in is that there isn't, you know, movement that much at the Senate, and it's not surprising at all. And so, sucks. It sucks. I wish the Republicans could would grow a pair because I. I would love to see how they would react if that was a Democratic president sitting there that did the same exact thing. They'd be calling for blood in the street. I, I think we all know how it would go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. At least, I mean, I don't want to push it too far, but it seems like there would be more callback from them than just the regular process that's built into the Constitution. Because they seem to easily take it to the extreme when it comes to things that they don't believe in, right? And so as a party, when you set yourself up that way, it's very hard to escape outside of kind of extremist thought and extremist yeah. push. So I, I agree with you, John. I didn't have a, a I didn't have another one yeah. on top of that. Blake, do you have another Blake, one? Blake, what you got? And, and, well, just to piggyback on what you are just saying real quick, Kelly, that's why it was so important for Mitch McConnell to make a stand. Um. And he didn't. Would have been nice you know, to see. So. Would have been nice to see. Yeah. And I thought he was smart enough to know that. But maybe he is just a giant. I, no, I no, I think I think he is. I think he is. I think it's a, a hundred percent political calculation by him. Yeah. I think you know? he has different that, goals than what you are implying. Hoping for. Yeah. You, yeah. you hope you hope that the goals at the end of the day is to preserve our democracy. Yeah. Right? Apparently it's not. Our it's not. And, <laughs> and and his and his is that you and it really always has been con, uh, party over country. 
It yeah, always exactly. has been yeah. for him. It's always about making sure that Republican voices get heard. Yeah. I need to be the bastion for Republican voices. And because it's a silo on him on top, it's a very small worldview that's on top. And he will continue to push that. There's no changing Mitch McConnell now, right? right. The only way to change it is to vote him out. And and we've talked about this before on the pod too, but Mitch McConnell's really made a lot more money in the last eight years. A shitload six more. Years. He's made more money in like the last six years than he probably has his entire career. So we know that he's doing it. For I mean, the I, 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 sorry, this is just a side note, but I always envisioned Mitch McConnell after he's retired and he's down the road as a super old man versus just the regular old man he is currently in the Senate, right? I see him sitting in like a almost um, pond. <laughs> pond's, pond's a good idea but because he's from kentucky i see him on like a lying down floating bed via like star wars or something where he's watching the kentucky derby because he has three horses in there and you know he's making money dog he's making money on money the republican way uh yeah, yeah he Does just he really so happens to be the first jab of the hut in history <laughs> That ends up being the Jab of the Huts, but you know, why have we not landed on the caricature of him being Jab of the Hut before? Why has it taken one hundred and forty so episodes for us to get there? I don't know, man. I don't know. Just popped uh, in. Just well, popped into my head, but I think it's legit. I think it's, I think legit. it's better than Turtle Wizard. Put that shit on the shirt. Meme. Yeah, that's the next meme. That's the next meme. I'll, I'll do that one like as soon as I get done editing this podcast. <laughs> so my least favorite was just how quickly or abruptly the trial ended. Mm. Mm-hmm. I woke up that morning, uh, got some coffee, and then I heard that there was going to be a call for witnesses. We started talking about it in the Slack feed. And then like, what, an hour later? No acquitted. witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, wait, what? Like, th- time out for a second? What just happened? Yeah. <laughs> so that that was my least favorite part. Was, um, I feel like it it was going in one direction, and then it took a complete one eighty, and that's still a little confusing to me. Um, you know, I I think it would have been really interesting. We could have maybe seen Donald Trump come to the stand, and ju- I mean, just like just here's the thing: is like tie up his feet. Not in reality, like, you know, figuratively, <laughs> figuratively speaking here, like drag him, drag it, drag this out, you know, like burn him a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, even like we're, we're still human beings, right? We still have this idea of punishment that it should be deserved at some point. Right. So even if, even if you meant it, literally drag his feet to the fire, you know, the dude incited an insurrection, right? Yeah. That's that that's a hangable offense in the 1770s when our founding fathers were writing this document. True. Right? That that we all fall in the constitution. Somebody was going to get hanged because of that. Okay? That's that's what we're talking about here. This isn't a light conversation. How interesting would that be if if Donald Trump I mean does end up getting tried for treason or something at some point and then because he reinstituted capital punishment he he's they're gonna it's it if, if it does happen, happen it's gonna be but... al capone style and they're gonna get him for like wire fraud right, right exactly it's right. probably what's gonna be yeah it'll be something like that it's not gonna be you know treason i don't think yeah <laughs> so anyways that's my least favorite was i just it just yeah, felt weird i think you know, the, you know there's a like I, the wing represented by Biden, I think would say like, let's get to governing. Let you know, we're in the middle of an economic crisis. We're still in the middle yeah. of a pandemic and Mitch McConnell is going to tie up the Senate big time. If we do witnesses and it's just not worth it. I think that there's a good argument to say the American people for the good of the Republic. It is imperative that the american people fully understand the gravity of what happened and the gravity of what could be happening in this country and what could happen eventually if we do not nip this authoritarian vein in the bud uh before it uh you know 
fully germinates. And so, well, I should say before it metastasizes. Um, and so, you know, this is a, a major concern. And I think there's a good argument to be made that we should have called witnesses to drag it out so that the American, as a, not a political process, but as an educational one. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that yeah. those are, yeah. man, I wouldn't want to be making the decision between those two things because I think that there's both really good, they're both really good arguments. Yeah. And well, I, and I, I get that. And I definitely understand then like why they're saying, take it to the courts, you know? And yeah, but, but we got to do something about it still. Like this isn't over. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and I was going to say is that there's also the political calculation that's very important here too for people. And it may be an argument against having a prolonged trial and a prolonged because a set of witnesses in the Senate. Um, there's the potential for more violence, right? There's a lot of people in this oh, country yeah. that right still believe that Trump won the election fairly. They believe that people were there acting right in the best interests of true patriots in this country. And there's an argument to be made that perhaps this is a time to smooth some of that over. Right. If we lay bare all of that. Right. What we have then is that. Think about if this trial went two, three months into the future. Trump gets acquitted anyway because the senators are basically on the side that they're on. I don't think that, that changes the, That's what no. Jamie Raskin said. Yeah. I right. believe it is was Jamie Raskin. It doesn't Raskin. necessarily do it. But what you have potentially is a stirring up of violent tendencies on both sides of our body politic that may be better to be smoothed over. Is it the best for the health of the democracy? No. Is it the best for the short-term nonviolence within our democracy? Maybe. Right. And I don't and I don't know the right answer. I would have liked to have seen I would have liked to have seen Trump walk straight into the Senate chamber and sit down and have, you know, <laughs> the Democratic leaders from the House stand there and grill him about what he meant, why his words matter. Right. Yeah. Would that have been great? Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. Right. All think about the fucking circus, the new circus it would be and have him sitting there saying, oh, again, proud boys, stand by and stand ready. Right. Yeah. On the Senate floor as he's in his own trial. Right. That's that's like Hitler calling the brown shirts out. Yeah. Right. And I don't want I don't want to back away from the importance of what this means. Right. In terms of the authoritarian rule within the country. But there. <sighs> There does need to be a balance between smoothing out that side and smoothing out accountability, yeah, right? right? Without mm-hmm. hanging our public officials in the street and shooting protesters in the street. There has to be something in the right. middle. And right. ugh, it's tough. It's tough in this case. I, I think hopefully that balance is the third uh, uh, is the courts. Yeah. I think, though, unfortunately, that because there wasn't any true leadership and like a unity congressionally that because it lacked leadership there, I don't think it's going to really take hold anywhere. Yeah. Um, the accountability I, was super low for sure. Y- yeah, yeah. I think that we missed our opportunity to, to like, if you have like an, a dog, for example, and you're trying to train them, right. To not pee in the house, you have to be proactive in the moment that they are peeing <laughs> because if you're not if, if you're not yeah. Yeah. the lesson is not learned the dog has no idea what you're talking about what you're doing it's just it's not that you know and unfortunately i really think that the example that needed to be made we missed the opportunity and i don't think we're going to be able to teach this lesson again i think we're yeah. stuck with the with the reaction moving forward that's an awesome metaphor yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So, uh, do do we want to do best? In it, man. Stick do we want to do best real quick before yeah. we uh, before we wrap yeah, up? Try, we're try to end late. on the top. I know we're no, yeah we're running we're running late, but do we want to? Uh, we got some hot takes here. It's good, right? You guys, you guys are enjoying. It. You're still listening, right? Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Everybody who is listening is still listening. 
Mine is short and sweet. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, galaxy brain, that shit. Um, it was the quality of the, the job the house managers did. Uh, I th- think major props to them, to their staff. They did an excellent job. I was very proud that we had two uh, Colorado Congress people, including my own, um, in there. 100%. And yep. uh, I thought that everybody, like we talked about earlier, was aware that acquittal was extremely unlikely. And I think they did an excellent job of presenting that historical case because I think that they recognized that that was their job and they did it really well. And they put it into the record what happened. And so that future generations and hopefully once things have cooled a little bit, ourselves will be able to deal with this. I mean, this is the kind of thing that we need. 9-11 level commission, if not more. Like This is this is nearing truth and reconciliation commission shit. And so I am really glad that they were able to put that in the record. And I, I thought they did an excellent job. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's exactly what I said for favor. Hell yeah. 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 Specifically the, the video footage, but documenting, documenting the case for the history books was my favorite yeah. part about the case. I thought they did a good job. And I agree. I really appreciated their use of, of film and it felt like a very 21st century presentation. I thought they did a good job with that. And it was good job guys. Yeah. Good, good shit guys. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Uh, no, I a hundred percent agree on everything you guys are saying and it's important that it's there. And you know, like I mentioned earlier, I don't think, Historians will be kind to Trump, and I don't think that they'll be kind to his uh, administration. Um, I'm going to say my favorite part um, is, is the reaction from people that were really close to Trump. His sons, mm-hmm. Rudy Giuliani, people like that, that think that they're just completely out of the woods now because they survived. Because. Oh, yeah. Trump himself survived this impeachment because uh, I am a little bit vindictive and I want to see him punished for this. Um, and it's going to happen one way or the other. Um, and I think that his, you know, it, it may not be every person that's involved, but he no longer has the power to not face civil suits about this, which yeah. already, you know, multiple house members have filed potential civil suits against him for what happened to hold him accountable. And he's not, and he's no longer uh, liable to not be held accountable for state crimes that he committed in New York, New Jersey, Florida, prior to his presidency and potentially during his presidency. So I think that the system will still work between the federal and the state systems there. And it could take a little bit of time, but um, eventually I think he's going to, he's going to get his. At the end of the day, there's still a, a good chance that there will be an Article Three remedy. Yeah, good point. Yep, very good point. What's the um, the the line from House of Cards, season one? You can either have money or you can have power. It's um, it, he talks about like so, uh, it's like a 20 second clip or something like that, and he he says he's talking to some guy who becomes a lobbyist, and the guy walks away and he breaks the fourth wall, and he's like, I don't understand people who want money because all you get is a big mansion that falls down in 10 years, but if you go after power, you get the marble statue that lasts centuries. And Trump just lost all his power. Hell yeah, he did. Can I low-key tell you guys what my actual favorite thing was? Fucking one of of the Trump lawyers, there's there's, uh, video footage after the trial. One of the Trump lawyers, like, you know, saunters over quickly to one of the tables and just steals some coasters. (laughs) I did not see that. Yeah. It's the it is the most on brand Trump person thing of all time. It is just so fucking amazing that that happened. That is the last five years. Just it's like guy who's yeah, obviously guilty, pays no consequences, and then commits petty crime. Yeah, exactly. Dude, dude starts dealing shit so he can try to profit off of it later. Exactly. Like, He's gonna sign yeah, that uh-huh. shit and sell it on eBay for like twenty grand to some stupid, <laughs> you know, Trump moron. It's just, it was just. I, I look it <laughs> okay, up. You, it's you wait, dude. You wait. It's gonna, it's gonna be framed on a boat in yep. like Southern <laughs> Jersey. You know, some, some, some dude is gonna be like, yeah, remember that when he got acquitted. This is a coaster, coaster from it. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more like on on the boat of a 
of the son of a Russian oligarch. Yeah. yeah. Or that uh, Chinese oligarch that uh, Steve Bannon hangs out with. Yeah, there you go. I mean, do you guys do you guys see that report uh, earlier today that Steve Bannon admitted to an interviewer that he thought Trump had dementia and he actually openly discussed the idea really? of meeting him? Yeah. Uh... Guys, we've gone far too long. Like us on all the shit. Yeah. Please leave us a review. Yeah. Five stars only. Thanks for listening. Thank you. We'll see you guys soon. We we will see you very soon. That's a tease, everybody. Godspeed. What up, world? Welcome back to another fantastic episode. I gotta come up with a new word. Fantastical. <laughs> with another, I've said that one too. Amaze balls. Here's another amaze balls episode. I don't think we've said amaze balls. I think that's a that's a, that's a novel. What part of speech is that again? Whatever. I failed grammar. It doesn't matter. Mm. Welcome to another <laughs> fuzzy episode of the Amer Podcast. Let's do it.